So good evening, everyone. Broadcasting live, August 27th. August 27th, 2015. Today we have a passage. Robin, would you mind reading that for us? Sure. There are these four persons found in the world. I apologize, I had something going in the background. There are these four persons found in the world. What for? One with little learning who does not benefit from his learning. One of little learning who does benefit from his learning. One of great learning who does not benefit from his learning. And one of great learning who does benefit from his learning. And how does one with little learning not benefit from his learning? In this case, a person is not well learned in the discourses. He knows neither the letter nor the spirit, and he does not live in accordance with the Dhamma. And how does one with little learning benefit from his learning? In this case, a person is not well learned in the discourses, but of what he knows he understands, both the letter and the spirit, and lives in accordance with it. How does one with great learning not benefit from his learning? In this case, a person is widely learned in the discourses, but he understands neither the letter nor the spirit, and he does not live in accordance with the Dhamma. And finally, how does one with great learning benefit from his learning? Here, a person is widely learned in the discourses. He understands both the letter and the spirit, and he lives in accordance with the Dhamma. It's funny, um, the, what follows this passage is actually maybe more uh, quotable. Okay, but again, he's got these four four people found in the world, and this is there's lots and lots of four peoples in the Buddha's teaching, uh, because it, as you can see, it's uh, well, this, but the uh, permutations. It's a common thing to talk about two different things and contrast them. Buddha does this a lot, but what follows this? In the Anguttara Nikaya, I'll read the Pali, then you get a sense of how poetic it is. Apasuto piche hoti silesu asamahito ubayena nangarahanti silato cha sutena cha apasuto piche hoti silesu susamahito silato nang pasang santi Tasa sampanjate sutam. Bahus sutto pi jehoti. Sile suasamahito. Silato nangarahanti. Nasa sampanjate sutam. Bahus sutto pi jehoti. Sile susamahito. Ubayena nang pasang santi. Silato ja sutena ja. Bahus sutang dhammadarang. Sapan yang Buddha sawakang, nekang jambona dasewa, kotang nindi tum marahati, tewa pinang pesang santi, brahmunapi pesang sitoti. Oh, isn't that inspiring? What does it mean? I'm glad you asked. Bikabodi has a good translation. The first, most of it is going through the four, but it's it's a bit different actually. It's sile sususamahito means um, well established or balanced or settled in sila in the the, the silas actually it's plural, so it means in the disciplines or the virtues. And if so, if one has little learning, this this is a bit more to the point. It's like, well, which one's good and which one's bad? So it's kind of obvious, but the Buddha actually in the verse, in the poetry verse, in the poem, he actually uh, is explicit about good and bad. So he says one is criticized on both counts for both having little learning 
and for ha ha not being settled in, the pre in morality and virtue. If one has little learning but is well settled in virtue, they praise him for his virtuous behavior, his learning has succeeded. See, he's forgiven, he or she is forgiven for having little learning. No one really thinks much of it. In fact, they're, they're still often praised and, and they're certainly praiseworthy because they they become settled in goodness anyway but if one is highly learned but is not settled in the virtues they criticize him for his lack of virtue their learning has not succeeded so they're criticized maybe as a hypocrite or at least as a fruitless uh, seed you know? so having gained nothing from all their all their endeavors like a person who looks after the cows of others, a cowherd. They don't ever get to taste the fruit, taste the product. If one is highly learned and settled in the virtues, then they praise the person on both accounts. Because their learning has virtuous behavior and learning. And the next part is unique, it's not in the first section. When a disciple of the Buddha is highly learned, Bahu, what does it say? Bahu suttang dhamma dharang. Bahu sutta means much learning. Dhamma dhara means one who carries the dhamma. Sapanyang with wisdom. Buddha savakang, a true, it means a disciple of the Buddha, but the meaning is a true disciple of the Buddha. Nekang jambon like a coin of refined mountain gold. Who is fit to blame such a person? Kodang ninditu marahati. Ninditu marahati. Arahati means worthy. Ninditung. Worthy or, or uh, who is capable or qualified to scold such a person. Just look down upon them. Deva Pinang Basangsanti. The angels are the angels rejoice, praise, the angels praise such a person. Even Brahma, even by Brahma is such a person praised. So learning has a place. Yeah, what we shouldn't take away from this sort of teaching is that learning is useless. But as with everything in Buddhism, it has to have its place and you have to put it in its proper place. This is an important lesson we can take from these sorts of verses, is putting things in their place, not discarding, but not fixating on. So as I mentioned, I think yesterday, about how people fixate on, on love, and they, 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 they give, the, give the idea that love is all you need. Well, love is not all you need. Sorry, John and Paul. <laughs> Not enough. But love is, is great, is useful, right? But so are many other things. As we learned last night, how many over almost a hundred things, more than a hundred things, love being only one of them. And we should keep that in mind. You can't, this is why you can't easily explain the, Buddha, the explain Buddhism. Not because it's it's uh, esoteric or confusing or mystical. It's just it's big and it's complete and it's complex. Not complex as in confusing or hard to understand, but just it. It's like quant It's like the theory of relativity. You need to. You can't. They asked Einstein to summarize relativity in in twenty five words or even two hundred words or something, and he looked. He looked. He looked at them like they were crazy. He said. In order to have the ba a basic understanding of relati relativity, you'd need to spend several days, and even then, you'd have to have a strong background in theoretical physics. So it's kind of, you know, like that. There's a lot, and it's complex, just as we are. There are simple aspects of it, and ways of summing up certain aspects of it, but we have to be very careful not to make categorical statements that turn out to be 
going too far, right? If you say learning is, you know, all Buddhists have to learn and learning is the way to go. Learning is necessary. Great learning is necessary to become enlightened. Love is all you need. The jhanas, the samatha jhanas are necessary for enlightenment. Some people even believe apparently that you have to remember past lives in order to become enlightened. But there are clearly categorical statements we can make. We could say, for example, that mindfulness is necessary. We could say that wisdom is necessary. Satipanya, they often put these together in, in Thailand. They talk about them as a compound, satipanya, wisdom and mindfulness, mindfulness and wisdom. But the a neat thing about this as well is that not just that learning has its place, but learning can, to some extent, be uh, minimalized, trivialized. Or rather, one shouldn't feel discouraged because one has little learning. One shouldn't fret about that or concern oneself about that. Learning is like a map. As long as you know the proper way to go, you don't need to study the whole map. You don't need to study the map in detail. Furthermore, if you have a guide to take you and you trust the guide and they're trustworthy, then you don't need a map at all. You don't need to study at all. But study has great benefit. It, it helps you to then be a guide for others because they might take a different path. And if they take a different path and you haven't looked at the map, your your own path is your own your own travels are only useful in terms of general principles specifics you won't be able to help them with like when you get to this tree do you turn left or do you turn right you won't be able to help them with with the details because you've never followed their path but if you study the map then you can offer advice not based on your own practice outside of your own practice this is the benefit of learning Unless you're, of course, a perfectly enlightened Buddha, then you don't need any learning. But for the rest of us, it's like a shortcut. The map has been drawn. You know, we don't have to draw the map or go searching everywhere and make a new map. But so what we do should do is study the map from time to time and get general ideas. It's also beneficial for ourselves until we reach the goal. It's beneficial for us to learn and study the map, especially the aspects that are uh, relevant to our own practice at the time. And that one is praised. It's praiseworthy to learn. So there's definitely that. But much more important is to live by the Dhamma. Here again we have this phrase, lives by the Dhamma, right? Lives in accordance with the Dhamma. I wonder what the poly is there. Na atamanyaya na dhamma manyaya dhamma nu dhamma patipano uti. He isn't one, or they aren't one who practices the dhamma to realize the dhamma with love for the Dhamma and love for the... Is it love here? Where'd it go? Oh, with knowledge of the meaning and not know? Knowledge and... Knowledge of the meaning and the letter. Knowledge of the... Spirit in the letter, right? It's actually one phrase. One lives according to the Dhamma. No, it's not lives, actually. It's not the word they're using. Practices in accordance. Practices the Dhamma to realize the Dhamma. Dhamma nu Dhamma is the Dhamma for the Dhamma. 
So the, the, the practice of the Dhamma to realize the truth. And then with knowledge of the letter and knowledge of the spirit. Spirit meaning the meaning. Knowledge of the letter and the meaning. Dhamma and Atta. I mentioned this before. These are the two aspects. The, 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 the Dhamma is the actual words of the Buddha. Knowing them. Atta is understanding the meaning of it. practices the Dhamma for the realization of the Dhamma. And this is how one truly puts one's learning, puts the Dhamma to, to use, puts the teachings to use. And the Buddha said there are two ways to understand the word living by the Dhamma, actually, which is Dhamma Vihari, Dhamma Vihara. Dhamma Vihara means dwelling by the Dhamma. So to be a Dhamma Vihari, one who dwells by the Dhamma, lives by the Dhamma, there are four things. One, Narinchati, no, Naddivasangatinameti, don't let the days pass you by, don't waste your time. Don't just let the days go by thinking, oh, I've got lots of time, because you don't. Narinchati Patisahalanang, don't discard or don't neglect solitude. So you have, when you have the opportunity to be alone, take advantage of it. When you have the opportunity to meditate, take advantage of this opportunity when you have it. Anuyunjati, number three, Anuyunjati, Ajatang Jeto Samatang. Cultivating or engaging in uh, tranquility, inner tranquility of mind or settling of the mind. Jito samatha, tranquility of mind, internal tranquility of mind. So this is samatha practice, calming the mind, getting the mind to the point where you no longer react, where you're able to just observe. And number four, uttarincha, uttarinjasa atang, uttarinjasa panyaya atang pajanati. Knowledge of the meaning, the higher meaning of the Dhamma with wisdom. Knowledge, higher, knowledge of the higher meaning of the Dhamma with wisdom. So this is, the key here is there are two kinds of knowledge. There's knowledge of, of book learning, knowledge of what this Buddha said. You know, my ability to spout Pali and, and remember things. Some people have great knowledge in this respect. And then there's an understanding of it and an appreciation of it, knowledge of it. This is what is so deceptive about uh, the truth. It's easy to think you know it. We often do think we know the truth. But the truth is something that will rock you to the core. If it hasn't shaken your foundation, chances are it's only book learning. If it hasn't changed you for the better, if it hasn't uh, freed your mind from defilement, then you have to say it's still only limited value. So that's the quote for today. Anybody have any questions? If not, we can go. This is just a daily thing, right? So it doesn't have to be some big deal every day but I imagine some people are going to take a few seconds to post their questions
Yeah, questions are live. We're live at answering questions at meditation.sirimonglo.org. Those of you on YouTube, you have to go over there. Down there. It's in the, it'll be in the description eventually. a good question. Bonte, can you comment a bit about addiction to using the internet? I feel that I'm wasting too much time on the computer, reading news, watching movies, etc. I do meditation as well, but can you give some advice? Well, we have to take the internet seriously. We have to seriously consider this change that we're undergoing as a species. Maybe not as a species, but many of us are undergoing there's a um, shift towards life based on the internet a lot of people spend a lot of time on facebook and i mean i think i don't really know what people do but this is what we hear so there's no reason to immediately react and and assume that that's bad the internet seems to have positive qualities to it. You know, the phenomenon of liking things, I think, is in many ways rooted in our kindness and our good side. As you know, people like to be cynical, but I think there's a lot of good in liking things. Of course, it can be seen as superficial, or whatever, but I don't think of it that way personally. You know, how nice does it feel when you get a like, right? It shows that the person cares. I mean, you could say it's ridiculous. It's just a meaningless bit, but it's not meaningless. Someone cared enough to like something of mine. That's mudita, it's called. Appreciation. It's one of the four Brahmaviharas. And knowledge has increased. Um, I would say... The internet has helped dispel a lot of myths and superstitions. It's helped to provide, you know, a lot of misinformation, sure, but if you think of how much misinformation there was before the internet, well, that's a good question. Is there more now or less? I guess that's debatable. There's just, the internet is a good propaganda tool to spread misinformation, sure, but, you know, I mean, so the point being that as far as content goes, there are good things to it. The medium, on the other hand, is interesting. It's a whole other thing. I'm not convinced that it's bad, but it's certainly hard to... It's harder to be mindful surfing the internet than it is to be mindful uh, walking down the street, for example. Right? Physical activities are going to keep your mind free to cultivate 
mindfulness. Mental activities do not. So we've, we've become far more mental as a result, I think, mentally occupied. And so we find ourselves, as a result, becoming addicted to mental activity, right? We can't sit still anymore. I don't know it's as dire as some people think. Um, my teacher once said these kids came to see him, these Thai kids came to see him and they were playing games, or their parents said, oh, they're just always playing games. And they said, oh, well, you know, at least, at least they'll have the concentration to come and sit and do meditation. <laughs> I'm sure he's never played a video game in his life, but I thought that was quite insightful of him, nonetheless. And I think that, to some extent, that's true. You know, video games, you could pro even video games, you could probably see some benefit to one's mental state in certain aspects. Of course, there's the addiction that's highly problematic. But... You know, these are not really game, what do you call, showstoppers. Are you breaking the five precepts? If you're not breaking the five precepts, then you're doing okay. Are you breaking the eight precepts? Well, you know, that's, you know, it's going to be a hindrance in your meditation, but it's not, you know, five precepts, Breaking the five precepts will drag you backwards. It will take you away from the Dhamma. Breaking the eight precepts, you know, like so entertainment, etc., will just slow your practice. I mean, I'm, this is my own, I, I don't have any scriptural basis for this, but there is a difference. You know, there, there's a the general sense is that they're on a different level. So are they, are they you know detrimental to your practice yes but only in the sense that it's going to slow it down so spending a lot of time on the internet it's wasting your time it's cultivating addiction there's probably some backward sliding but if you're meditating daily i don't think it i don't think you can really compare you know meditation is very powerful so unless you're doing a lot of powerful evil deeds like child pornography or something like that yeah, i don't know what else is there on the internet gambling and I had one student who gambled on the internet not a good idea you know it's uh don't worry too much guilt can be a terrible thing we're far too guilty we, we get far too guilty in the west we should rejoice that we have found this practice and that we are sitting here now we have a chance right here and now to be mindful and we're encouraging each other to be mindful. And I'm telling you, you're sitting right now, be mindful. And you, then you say to yourself, oh yes, I'm sitting right now. And you're aware. And that's awesome. And you're awesome. So you should be happy. Okay? That's my answer. Some of the articles you know, that warn about too much internet usage, they kind of imply that we're rewiring our brains with all this, you know? Could be, but you know, you have to provide some some support to as to why that's bad you know are our brains being wired in a bad way i don't know and certainly there's an argument can be made but i don't think so brain is just physical a lot of the effects are just going to be physical yeah some of them, no many of them will be mental but but i think many of the mental effects will still be neutral i don't think they'll necessarily be a detriment in fact the focus and some of the focuses on the internet are good, you know, the, the focus on, on knowledge, which is great. The focus on truth, you know, what is Wikipedia all about? The focus on freedom and giving. You know, Wikipedia is a huge donation from all of us to each other. And Wikipedia is just an example, but this idea, some of the in, some of the software that people put out, you know, giving software away for free, putting in all this work and then just giving it away, you know, that's awesome. So... Anyone who says the internet and information technology is is necessarily evil, sure, there's lots of problematic aspects to it, even evil aspect, you know, uses that it can be put to. But you know, Ashley Madison, <laughs> a big story. Well, karma's a b i t c h. Poor people. But apparently the, the person who runs that, he says he's happily married, never has participated in anything like that. Oh, makes no. It makes it even worse. That makes it even worse. 
Well, yeah. he's, he did say that he was, you know, just profiting on human behavior. Yeah, but, but like encouraging it, really. I mean, it's not profiting. It's not like he's an innocent bystander who's, you know, just picking up roadkill or something. No, he's making money on it. But but I mean, making money is one thing. But you know, a worker at this this pro this company could say that. But I mean, a, a mind someone who's working in in you know photocopying or something, sure. But people who are actively trying to find ways to encourage people to cheat on their spouses, you know, I mean, it's obviously for sure. There's a lot of it is to do with how to make it appealing to people, right? That's not passive. That's not just taking advantage of other people's behavior, that's encouraging it. That's really bad. And yet he's happily married, that's funny. Mm -hmm. At least that's his story anyway. Yeah. We'll see. Karma has, has Udi, Pra-Udi, a wonderful monk who passed away of cancer several years ago. He said, Noah, I tell you one thing. No one can escape their karma. No one. He's a very powerful monk. He's not very into the morality side of things, but he was set in the Dhamma. Very kind and open-hearted individual. Huge. He was like over six feet tall. Big Israeli monk. Called me Noach. Two suicides connected with Ashley Madison Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet. That's wow. So you had said before that meditators might be able to join the hangout. And I think we have a question from someone who gave their information. Mm -hmm. Do you want to have Are they green? Yes. All right. Can we invite you, Guadalupe? Where did we go? Are you inviting them? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting topic, whether the people who breached all this, this data were doing a good thing, a bad thing, better, more good than bad, more bad than good. again about telling the truth people hide behind the truth right i was just telling the truth the buddha didn't incur didn't no the buddha was clear on this right sometimes telling the truth is is the wrong thing to do i think you could really argue that this that this is the case did you just put that in the chat why are you chatting that to me because for some reason and i don't understand why this happened over the weekend too when I click on invite people, it doesn't do anything. Do oh, I need some? Do I need some sort of? The, yeah, probably I need to invite them because it's my. This is great. The the hangout on air, they're careful with, so okay. I can eject people as well. Which you, I don't think you can do in an ordinary hangout, but that's good. You know, I mean, when you're broadcasting, you don't. You want to have control. Sure. Just in case. And while we're waiting for our other questioner, do arahants stop practicing meditation once they've reached that state? No, I mean, technically, yes. Technically, they do stop practicing because there's no... That's not even fair to say. Practicing never stops. An arahant would never stop med stop meditating stop practicing but they don't become a pacheka buddha they don't become a buddha you know they don't get any further they uh, i mean that's ridiculous anyway but they i mean they've, they've given up all that is necessary to give up now they might learn more definitely they will learn more as life goes on there are things that they don't know and they will learn more things but anything connected to freedom from defilement has already been learned. There's no sense that they can or need that that, that there would ever be a um, transformation, you know, further purification. 
what they will purify is their knowledge, their wisdom, you know, sharpen their understanding, broaden their understanding. And yeah, so yeah, they still do meditate, they still do practice, but it's different. You know, there's no. There's no change that comes on. There's no realization of you know, doing something wrong or, or wrongness, transformation from wrong to right. It's all right now. How Thomas, do you control? Thomas wants Sorry? to become a mediator. I do that all the time. Yeah. Spell check often it's, corrects it because meditator is apparently not even a word by some spell checkers, right? Right. You ever get I, that where you type in meditator and it tells you you spelled mediator me, wrong? Right. It tells me you get the little red line under it that it's spelled wrong. Right. Someone's got a bias. How do you control anger and disgusting feelings caused by some kind of loss or disappointment? You don't control your feelings. You don't control them. In fact, trying to control them is part of the problem. It makes you more stressed and more upset. That's what drives people to take medication. I I read a comment today. I don't read most of my comments on YouTube, but sometimes I check in and there was a fairly scathing one or, or critical one. Something I must have said recently about how we don't uh, like to have people on medication come to do uh, courses. And there was a sense that I wasn't being very compassionate or even understanding and that w without having any understanding of mental illness, I should just shut my mouth. Was, I think the quote, no, keep my mouth shut. I think that's what it was, which is cool. I mean, I don't, um, point taken that I don't have, I've never taken such drugs. I've taken other kinds of drugs, but never the kind that you're supposed to take. Um, but I was depressed terribly during my teenage years. I think I could have been diagnosed easily with clinical depression. I was never suicidal, but I, I attribute that partially to my surroundings. You know, I mean, not the ice, not to talk about I so much, but it is an interesting case. I mean, I grew up with three brothers and we lived on 200 acres of forest and we were homeschooled and we never went to see the doctor i think the times i've been in my life to see the doctor but let's let's say up until the time i was 18 i could count them on one hand easily i don't even think they'd fill a hand i think the only time was when i had to get a tetanus shot or you know, even then it was like oh you had a tetanus shot some years ago you'll be fine I got my father dropped a board with a nail on my head once. I've still got the scar. Yeah, I went to see the doctor then. That kind of thing. Point being, there's a lot of over-medication going on. And a part of the over-medication has to do with this need to control. You know, the idea that if you don't, you're going to go out of control. And that's part of the problem. You're approaching it wrong. You don't need to control. You need to shift. You need to adjust. You need to change. You know, this um, the woman who we're renting from. She's a pharmacist, and we talked about this. But she she wanted to correct me. She said, you know, some people are genetically predisposed to depression. And I I I kind of nodded and sort of you know let it go. But as we were you know, then her husband started talking and something. So. Uh, but I, I don't think that's a fair statement. Depression is mental. You know, genetics are physical. I mean, besides the obvious fact that um, you know, predisposition to de to depression is a bit ridiculous. I mean, okay, yes, definitely people have different levels of tolerance and different levels of happiness. But we've only had it's only been a real problem, you know, where we say it's to, should be clinically diagnosed and treated in what the past 50 years or less right well what did they do for the rest of the time you know if it's if it's truly genetic 
then how you know there was no sudden change of people's genetics in the past 50 years although with karma being the way it is maybe we are maybe as a result of our um, dependency on electronics and so on maybe we are becoming more depressed and less content that's an interesting there's an interesting argument to be made there you know like being born again if if those people you know engaged in internet addiction what ha what happens to them when they're born as humans again what are they like maybe they're adhd people no um but but besides that you can't genetics are physical and, and and depression is mental whatever genetics do to your brain they can't do to the mind yes you can be predisposed to to depression but that's a mental quality and as a and it that's important because if you say it's genetic you know if that were true that would be a real bummer because you can't change your genes right funny thing about when people say things are genetic by the way just to rant a little bit is that apparently we share half of our genes with rice 50% of our genes are the same as i think it's 50% are the same genes as, as are in a rice plant genetics was I, i've i've read that genetics were one of the, was one of the big disappointments of modern science you notice how you don't hear so much about how the people say they found the gene responsible for this the gene res it's because genes aren't responsible for this or that now genes change you and they do you know different people have different genes but and i'm not a scientist so you know, i'm just talking like anybody but if you read up on the on the subject I don't think, and you know, scientists will probably be all over this post now. Downvote, downvote, downvote. But uh, you know, read up on it, and there's not as much certainty and not as much um, reliance on genes. So then they have something called epigenetics and whatever genetic. You know, I don't know. Lots of the study of how other things can affect who we are, but it's clearly not genetics, for example. But can genetics change who you are? Sure. So maybe genetics predispose you to not produce as much serotonin or uh, what are the other ones? Uh, dopamine, oxytocin, you know, these good drugs, the drugs that we have in our brain. You know, we got lots of drugs inside. We don't need to take drugs because we've got these drugs. Now, some people don't have enough of these drugs. But it's still just drugs, you see. It's a still just an addiction, and part Buddhism is about giving up the addiction. I've gotten very far afield, but it was because of this comment, so I thought, given the opportunity based on this question, I would answer someone else's comment as well. What we're trying to do is change our approach, change how we relate, how we look at, you know, how we look at um, physical the objective aspects of experience both physical and mental so objective if you think about something in the past you have a thought arise that thought is objective there's no such thing as a bad thought it's not possible but the thought can make you upset and being upset is bad that's the problem if you can learn to experience the thought without getting upset no thought can ever be problematic a problem for you no thought can ever be harmful bad in any way you could have thoughts about suicide or killing people or so on, and they'd just be thoughts. But it's when you react to them, positively or negatively. This is the problem with many meditators, is they start to feel guilty of the thoughts that they're, happening, they're having, and then they get warped. I mean, not just meditators, this happens with all of us, right? You feel guilty for your thoughts, feel bad for having these thoughts, and then you hate yourself, and it just becomes a cycle, and it, it's not hard to see what we do to ourselves it's just hard to find a better way to do it a better way to approach reality so that's what we need stop trying to control start trying to learn trying to understand try to understand your feelings give them a be like a judge sitting up in your your thing that judges sit in and um you know give give both sides a fair trial and then make your judgment this is what meditation does. You sit back, you watch, you withhold judgment, and instead of prejudging, you judge based on wisdom. You know, it's not even judgment at that point, it's knowledge. You know, it's not an opinion, it's based on fact. 
Have you read my book on how to meditate? Maybe that'll help. I, I just laugh because that's something I always say. It's, I mean, it's a standard answer. I'm assuming maybe you have, but if you haven't read my book, it's a good place to start. I noticed I eat more those days when my anxiety increases. Do you have any, any advice to control hunger? Sorry, anxiety increases? Yes. Um, the question is, the person has noticed they eat, eat more, more things when they on the days when their anxiety increases. Yes, yeah, stop trying to control your hunger also. Don't worry about eating. That's not the problem. The problem is the anxiety and how you let it get to you. Forget about the eating. If the anxiety makes you hungry, makes you want to eat, fine. Don't worry about that. That's physical. Start learning about the anxiety and really learning about it. You know, don't get upset that you're anxious. If it leads you to eat, don't feel guilty about that. Don't let that make you more anxious. Eat. Eat. Pig out. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's physical. Focus on your mind. You know, you're anxious. Learn about that. Study it. Watch it. Figure out what's going on. What does anxiety mean? It's mo it's mostly physical, actually. Anxiety is mostly not ang anxiety. It's mostly just the physical manifestations or the physical product of anxiety. That's what you're experiencing mostly. So look at that, the feelings, sensations, and the thoughts associated with the anxiety. Don't worry about eating. It's not a big deal. I mean, the Buddha said moderation in eating, but it's not the biggest problem. It's not not nearly as important as mental. I mean, once your mind is calm, your eating will be fine. You won't have that problem. How do you become a meditator on this website? So, technical question. Sign up. And start meditating. The registration process is counterintuitive, I know. There's got to be some way to provide feedback and telling people what to... You put a user, enter a username password, then click register. Just seemed easier. It's, it's actually the better way to do things, right? It's just we're not used to that. We're used to clicking the register button and going to some lengthy form and filling it out. Nope, not here. Yeah, a few people seem to have gotten an error message um, probably because the their username was already in use, right? And so I keep suggesting probably. to people just try a different, slightly different name, and it seems to probably work out. The error messages aren't that useful either. I mean, it's yeah, not a I professional. Don't... This isn't a professional job. I wanted to go back before we get another question. I didn't finish with the whole uh, medication thing because I did want to address this comment uh, and the the comment that I made that we don't. We're not really willing to uh, accept people to do meditation courses if they're taking medication. We would like them to stop taking medication. A meditation course is not that these such people shouldn't meditate. Of course they should meditate. That's the idea, is to help them. Um, I mean, but, but the point is to help them replace the medication with meditation. And that's something that we have a hard time agreeing on sometimes. People believe that you know, they should be able to meditate and medicate at the same time. And um, of course, do them both. That's fine. But your goal should be to replace it with meditation. Now, the uh, one problem I have in the West is if I say such things to meditators, they, I can be sued, right? I can be arrested. I, I mean, horrible things can happen to me if something goes wrong. Um I don't know. I mean, it's it, they say it's dangerous. So telling your students to go off medication is hugely problematic so if i was in asia i would have no qualms about doing that if they were as long as they were under my care you know, guidance but here that's one big problem but a bigger problem is a meditation course is i don't believe it i don't i i, I mean and then there was this criticism that i don't have any background but i do i do know meditators who have come and tried to do courses and you can tell the difference you can tell the difference between a, depre a depressed person and a depressed person who's taking med medication. The depressed person is far better off in terms of the meditation. Now, I'm not, the, I guess the problem is it sounds kind of callous and people might take that the wrong way. 
And certainly there's no looking down upon such people or rejecting them. It's just understanding what needs to be done. You can't, and this is through experience, you can't expect to gain the kind of deep realization about impermanent suffering and non-self when you're taking medi medication that pumps you full of, ser of serotonin, oxy oxytocin, whatever these are. And dopamine, you know, it gives you these chemicals that gives you your drugs. I mean, it's drugs. They're the same as external drugs. They're actually probably more potent because they go straight to the brain and they do exactly what, you know, they don't address the problem. Depression is a big part of the problem that we're trying to address in Buddhism. So meditate on drugs, uh, on medication, sure, meditate, it's fine. But your goal should be to replace, to slowly wean yourself off of it. And you can't do that during a meditation course, not in our tradition, it's too intensive. It's not what the meditation course is for, it's, it's for a deep and profound realization that you just won't get. I mean, this is from what I've seen. It's clear, you can see the difference. It's, it's hard to judge such meditators because everything's fine. You know, it's not fine, and deep down there are still the problems. See, the drugs are not fixing the problem. They're not one-to-one -one cure. They're they're covering. You know, they're 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 not addressing the problem directly. They're obscuring the problem. You know, it's just pump you full of something, uh, reuptake inhibitors, stopping you from uh, stopping keeping the serotonin in your bloodstream and that kind of thing. I get it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, mean, I had severe depression, but it probably wasn't nearly as severe as some people have. So I get that. Sure, I don't understand what it's like to want to kill yourself every day. I think that's pretty um, horrific, terrible. So by all means, med medication might be the only thing keeping you alive, but it's not going to bring you to enlightenment. It's not enough. It's not the best way to stay alive. So, you know, I'm not suggesting stop taking medication and just start meditating. So it's about understanding our goals, understanding where we're at, understanding what we have to accomplish, where we have to go, what is the next step. And the next step for such people is not to do an intensive meditation course. It's to meditate to the point where you can get off the medication. Now, you can come and do that here if you want. You're welcome to come here and meditate. But... Because I can't tell you, okay, now take less medication, I want you to start taking less medication, etc. Um, I don't know what to say. You'd have to take it upon yourself to decide that you were coming here to get off your medication. If that was your intention, then we would accept you. If it wasn't your intention, and if you didn't ever have such ideas, then, well, I think maybe we'd have to, unfortunately, suggest you go elsewhere. So those are my words. I might be wrong, certainly, as there's no scriptural basis for all of this, except in terms of not taking drugs. I have uh, given talks on addiction. It's funny, you can do search queries like that, huh? but you don't have to because we've got a video archive. And I think there's a whole category on addiction. Men mental problems. And, you know, I mean, none of these are perfect. I've got lots of videos, but I doubt any of them are really perfect. So don't, don't hate me because I'm imperfect. But I think a lot of the, the information is useful, so... Don't not ashamed to promote it. Why are the other realms of existence incredibly longer than the human realm? I have no idea. I mean, except the obvious the, the state of mind associated with it, right? That's probably the answer. 
But yeah, the whole cosmology thing, I think it's too much guesswork and I don't want to get involved in speculation about it. So I just say, oh, that's interesting. It's like that. Oh, okay. But, you know, the purity involved. But the, but it's interesting because hell realms are also apparently very long. So what does that say? I don't know. I'm sure it feels long. It's well, hell. It is. I mean, Devadatta is apparently still down in hell and he's got millions of years left in his uh, sentence or his punishment, self-torture. Bhante, I often consider life disappointing, but I cannot achieve equanimity to deal with it. Does it come with more practice? Don't worry about equanimity. Yes, it comes with practice. Stop worrying about it. Look at that, how you worry about it, how you just study, learn. You should be objective. Try to be objective, which is you know, almost saying equanimity, but don't worry about Be objective about your lack of equanimity. Study it, learn about it. That'll lead to true equanimity. It's not something you should be obsessed over because it'll come and go. You're going to have angry times and greedy times and uh, lustful times and bitter times, bored times, sad times, worried times, depressed times, all kinds of times, states. So equanimity, that's, that, I mean, that's the goal. When you when you get when you get truly equanimous to the point where you're still sitting here, still alive, still living, but completely uh, impartial to everything. That's the moment when you're on the doorstep of nibbana. That's the final step. That's when when you're in that state where you, everything you see it just as it is, arising, ceasing, arise. That's when the mind is able to let go and enter into nibbana. Well, what we probably should do with this site is incorporate it into the WordPress site. This is basically a WordPress knockoff, right, with this bar up at the top. But we could turn this into a proper WordPress site. It's very easy. You just include the, the actual WordPress bar at the top, and suddenly, poof, it's, in, it's, in, it's uh, associated with the site, and people log in with their WordPress, with their surimongolo.org login. But I wasn't using WordPress at the time that I made this. So that's probably what we should do. But this is just so easy, right? Register, start meditating. No need to worry about verifying your email or so on. So it works, right? Yeah, the it's error, very easy to log in. The error messages could be a little more informative, I think. If it became a WordPress site, would the... Uh, the Android app still work? That would be unaffected? Yeah, the site wouldn't change. It's just the site is made of what we call PHP, right? PHP is code that creates HTML. You know what HTML is, right? HTML is what, is what how you format. It's like formatting bold and so on, links and so on. Um, but PHP is on the server creating that. So you include something that first creates a WordPress bar based on the WordPress installation. So it's just adding something to the creation process. Uh, and it's very easy to do. I did it years ago. And suddenly you've got that part of the page that you, you create first or you create it maybe last even, I'm not sure, but it shows up at the top. And your site is still doing whatever it did. It's just added something. And on top of that, not just added something, but it's also it's added a bunch of functions that it can access. So it it can it can ask that bar you've got the, the bar at the top right it can say hey who is who's logged in who are you and once it gets a and then it gets a username and so it knows who you are but it still does its own thing and wordpress has stuff for for open auth and that kind of thing I think our site allows you to log in via Google, doesn't it? I'm not sure, actually. But this is so easy, you know, you don't need an email or anything. It's it's a bit too easy, maybe, if, if eventually we get people spamming us and so on. But so far, it's been great.
Yeah, it's almost unique to have something that's not connected to all your social media. It's unusual yeah. these days. Everything's connected. Yeah. Yeah, this is something specific. Someone was trying to get me to use more. Uh, he was trying to help me. In fact, if you go to meditation-dev, I think it's still there. Meditation-dev.sirimangala.org. Yeah, it's still here. So he tried to get me to use more. Uh, this is more standard, sort of standards-based. And I get that. It's just, you know, who has the time for such things? So... Anyway, there's not much there, but it looked kind of cool when we actually had a graph going. He's got this neat graph set up. But this is fine. I mean, having a, your homebrewed thing means you can just add stuff when you want to and tweak stuff when you want to very easily. The problem with incorporating it into WordPress is then you, you do run into trouble when you want to change something, some of the core stuff. I mean, the site isn't secure at all. It's uh, terribly insecure. That's okay. We haven't submitted any of our personal information here to be hacked. Well, that data is secure. I mean, uh, yeah, agreed that there may be some problems with the code, potentially. I mean, I've been, I, I was careful, and I think, but it, because it's not standards-based, one little slip-up in the coding means someone could inject SQL and, and access the database, etc., corrupt the database, whatever. But, you know, that kind of thing is just a matter of safe practices. So the data is secure. No one's going to get your email address or, your, or even your password. Actually, they will get your email address because it's on your, on your, aren't they, aren't they, aren't they email, yeah, there. But I think you have, a, you have an option to whether you want to show the email address or not. Yes. You can hide it, right? Yes, you can hide it if you like. Besides the time, what is the difference between the meditation we practice daily and the meditation course? The intensity of it. No, not the intensity, the intensivity of it. It's not the intensity. It's not intense, it's intensive. Intensive means it, it it gathers, right? So daily life, we're taking two steps forward, one step back, and so progress is slow because the rest of our day, we're not mindful. When you're in a meditation course, over the days, as the days go by, you get into a routine where you're just in a groove. And so it builds and builds and builds and, and, and begins to feedback, like a feedback loop and becomes quite powerful. It is quite a different experience. It can be. It's quite more... A meditation course is a whole different world. If you're doing it under proper instruction in a proper place can be far more life-changing than daily practice. Not that there's anything wrong with daily practice, but... And you're not supposed to talk. Okay, it's been an hour. I was planning these sessions to be like five, ten minutes, but... That's good, no? I mean, I, I don't mind. I mean, I've got the time to take. This is, you could say this is like having a job, right? It's an hour of my life. It's not a big deal. And I've got helpful and kind people like Robin. To, I, mean, I was just thinking, one reason to invite other people is what if you can't come one day, right? Some days you might be busy, like when you were away. So I have to maybe have other people don't have to I can do it alone but it would be great to have other people pop in there mm -hmm. is one last question if you have time all right if okay. I split my course up into say seven day chunks how will I maintain my practice in between away from the monastery 
well you maintain i mean yeah that's a, i mean it's a good word you just try to maintain if you can you may not progress but you try to maintain and that works people do do that but if you do seven days this year and seven days next year don't expect to maintain if you do seven days a month possibly yeah i mean anything is reasonable in fact i've had people do daily practice through the course and just do the last seven days of the course intensively and if it's if they're if they're sincere many people can finish the course this way and get really good results chain life-changing results i mean i think it's it's debatable you'd have to argue that but i think it's it can be argued Anyway, good night. Thank you all. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Bante. Good night. Good night, yeah. everyone.